0: that mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, <laughs> from verse 51 In <laughs> chapter 9, verse 51, and it came to come, years just... Said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my Father. Jesus said unto him,
1: For the kingdom of God. Well, May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his most precious and infallible word. Let's sing another hymn, shall we? Hymn number 200. Awake my soul and rise, amazed and yonder see, How hangs the mighty Saviour God upon a cursed tree. Hymn number 200. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Together to the throne of grace. Let's pray together. Our dear, gracious Lord and heavenly Father, we are amazed with wonder and joy at the fact that a no-wandering sheep can never be snatched away from out of the Father's hands. Here we praise and thank you, Lord, for those of us here this morning that are in the Lord Jesus Christ, Have that assurance of eternal security not just for the short passage of this life but forever into eternity that nothing and no one can take away the salvation of one of god's precious children lord we give you our grateful thanks that lord we are indeed part of that vast number Of the saved, of the elect. What a great, what a joy and blessing it is, Lord. We look around at a world in toil and torment. We look around at a nation consumed by fear and uncertainty. And yet, Lord, we have this wonderful message, the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the salvation. We thank you for the blessing of knowing our sins have been dealt with. That the Lord Jesus Christ paid the full penalty there on the cross at Calvary. And that when the Lord, when the Father looks at us, He will not see our sin, but will see the robe of Christ's righteousness. Lord, we are indeed a truly blessed people. And Lord, we pray for your gracious help to live as we should. Lord, so often our testimony and our witness let us stand help us Lord to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ help us Lord to desire to be more holy to be more God like to serve you better to serve you more ably and Lord if we are indeed used in any way may indeed all the honour and all the glory go to yourself we do come before you, Lord, as a as a needy people. And we do ask, Lord, for your grace and help upon those who, at this time, need particular prayer and support. We do commit dear Jackie to you at this time. We pray you would richly bless her time with Hannah and Millie Mae this weekend. May they have a really blessed time together. We pray you would strengthen Jackie for the chemo that comes this coming Friday. Would she know your strength and grace and help, Lord? It is not a pleasant experience. But here we pray, Lord, that through the uh, measures that are given by the oncologist, that they may indeed do what they are supposed to do. And we trust and pray that the side effects which will come in later will not be as bad as perhaps Jackie might fear. So we do indeed commend her to you at this time. May she know the peace of God which passes all understanding. Do bless and encourage Gary uh, and uh, uh, the uh, and Richard Clark and, and Chris out there, Doctor Chris out there in Sri Lanka at this time. It's now probably getting on for five o'clock over there, and we know, Lord, that I think it's um, there will be the evening meeting at Three Mile Post, and we just pray for your blessing, Lord, upon that. We thank you for the ministry that's already taken place. Thank you, Lord, for this new church that's been opened, or will be opened. And we trust and pray that you would richly bless them. Keep them safe from all manner of things which could uh, upset them, whether it's medical or other uh, issues. And we pray for the rest of the time there. You would bless their ministry and the various churches and the various individuals pray you would strengthen and uphold uh, Pastor Jay Kenneth and Varney at this time. We pray, Lord, for the return journey on Friday. Lord, we uh, understand that um, regulations have changed for those coming in from overseas uh, on, on flights, etc. And so we do pray, Lord, for the process that they will have to go through when they arrive back at Heathrow on f- Friday evening. So, Lord, do please undertake. We do pray for any others within the fellowship who have medical health concerns at this time, whether they be uh, physical, whether they be mental. We pray, Lord, you'll strengthen them and uphold them and enable them and encourage them. And we do commend them lovingly to you. We would indeed pray, dear Heavenly Father, for your grace and mercy upon our land at this time. Lord, we meet so many people who are living in fear and uh, and great concern. But we thank you, Lord, that we have a message that can allay fear, that can allay concerns. And so, Lord, we would pray that each one of us here would be given wonderful opportunities in these coming days to simply share our testimony of how the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us. And hey, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, gives us such peace. And we would pray, Lord, for our nation, Lord. We are a nation that is gripped in the, uh, by sin and shame in so many areas, Lord. Here we pray that you may yet rise, raise up men to preach the gospel faithfully, a spirit of conviction to come upon many men, women, and children that many would indeed be born again, and that there would be movements for change, not change for the bad, but change for the good. And how we pray, Lord, for our nation at this time, how our nation needs the gospel, and how, Lord, we pray you would help even us, inadequate as we feel we are, and probably are, that you would use even us in your eternal purposes for the gospel. We would indeed remember on this Lord's Day morning, our dear brothers and sisters in Christ in far-off lands, where they don't have the freedom that we have to worship openly. We pray you would strengthen your people. We think of the many uh, situations that we read of in India, where churches uh, and meetings are interrupted by um, Hindu extremists. We think of churches uh, and believers in countries islamic countries where they are again churches are invaded and people are taken away for questioning and some are put in prison we pray lord for those who suffer under buddhist regimes and in in burma and places like that and those under the communist regimes in vietnam and laos and cuba oh lord we just commit your persecuted people lord it doesn't matter in a sense who's doing the persecuting but We trust and pray that you would uphold those who are indeed being persecuted. We pray, Lord, that their love for the Lord Jesus Christ will shine brightly and be such a clear and wonderful testimony of their faith. And may even the way that they bear their punishment and the, the degradation which they are suffering may indeed be a witness to those who would seek to punish them and to persecute. So we pray, dear Heavenly Father, for that. And we pray, Lord, for those in our own country who, Lord, who have to, at times in the open air, have to be so uh, careful of what they say and what they don't say and how things can be interpreted. And we we pray, Lord, that we, it may long be a, a cherished thing that we have in this country to preach the gospel in the open air without fear and without faith and we do commit that to you and we pray for those who are involved in this wonderful ministry to help them and encourage them and may they see fruit for their labour do indeed encourage us on this day Lord may we be truly blessed through being here and may we be truly blessed with being with one another but may we especially be truly blessed because we have fellowship with the living God through our Lord Jesus Christ so we do commit one another to you and pray your continued blessing with us now. For we pray this in the most precious and most wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our next hymn is 190. From heaven's eternal throne there came a word of strong decree. Light up the world with grace and truth and set the captives free. Hymn number 119. is in verse 56 and in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 it begins a new section in the gospel of Luke that section of course begins there in Galilee and it goes on to Jerusalem for the final conflict that the Lord Jesus Christ faced the cross and then of course the resurrection and the ascension. From the moment that this is taking place verse 51 to the cross is approximately six months and it's interesting that the contents of these verses from 51 to 56 are only recorded in Luke's Gospel. But what goes on, what happens, of course, as we would all uh, know and agree with, is all in accordance with God's plan. And it begins there in verse 51, and it came to pass when the time was coming that he should be received up. And what that means is, not, when you talk about received up, that's not actually talking about the cross or the resurrection. It's actually talking about the ascension. When the days of his ascension would be fulfilled. Every word now and every act was a conscious step forward to that day when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven. The days of his ascension up. What it's talking about is the time of his ascension, the time of the Lord being taken up to heaven. And it tells us there that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. It actually means, in a sense, he went before. Now, of course, the disciples are amazed. They're apprehensive. Because now the Lord is going to go to Jerusalem. And they know there that he will not receive a friendly welcome. But this is the fixed and the set bearing of the Lord's purpose. It says, doesn't it, he steadfastly set his face. Fixedness in purpose. And especially, of course, with he knew what was coming. He knew what would be coming in approximately six months' time. The prospect Of difficulty or danger. He went directly to Jerusalem. No details along the way. He shows the mind and the will and the consecration that was to come. We read in Luke 13 and verse 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. Hey, often I would have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings. But he would not. He knew exactly what he was going to. He knew that Jerusalem would be hostile to him. He knew what was ahead. He knew that he would be betrayed. He knew that he would be mocked. He knew that he would be scourged in a most painful and awful way. He knew that he would have a crown of thorns, it says placed, but it wasn't placed, it was shoved on his head. He knew that people would come and spit in his face. He knew that his hands would be outstretched and nails put through them to a piece of wood. He knew all about what was coming. The agony of the cross. But he never flinched for a moment on that journey. Because of course the cross was a stepping stone to the crown. And the Lord Jesus Christ looks through and beyond his suffering. But they're on this journey now. It says they sent messengers before his face. They went, they're going through Samaria. And so they need somewhere to spend the night. Um, and so he sends out Messengers. And it is assumed, because of what goes later, that these two messengers were James and John. Now, I'm sure you uh, recall that the Lord has ministered in Samaria before. We read of that in John chapter 4. But nay there is this need. He's, he and his disciples are going through Samaria. They're on a journey. And they need, of course, food and lodgings. Now, isn't it the right thing to do, to go ahead? When we go away, we usually plan probably weeks and weeks before. that we need to go, we need somewhere to stay. Perhaps we may order an online shop drop from Tesco's at the Holiday Home or wherever it may be. We plan these things, we we look ahead. And that's what they're doing here. They're not obviously not doing it weeks, they're just doing it on the day. They're, they have a need for food, for lodging. And so, the Lord sends these two ahead. Go and prepare for his and the disciples' arrival. Sadly, the people in this particular Samaritan village, whatever it was, we do not know, of course, they refused to receive the Lord and his disciples. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. It would seem that this refusal to give accommodation, food, lodgings to the Lord and his disciples was made that they assumed, well, of course, it was a correct assumption for them, that the Lord and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. They were indeed going to Jerusalem to celebrate or keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In John chapter 7 and and verse 2, it tells us here, the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Now, because of what had happened in the past... There was no dealing between the Samaritans and the Jews. So, if you want to read up on the background and the reasons for this, read 2 Kings chapter 17 and Ezra chapter 4. And it gives the cause and the background of this enmity between these two groups. And it's shown here by the villagers of this particular village... The resentment that they feel and have is that they will refuse hospitality to Jewish people on a journey to Jerusalem. Nay, we also are to remember that Samaritans also expected the Messiah. But they thought that when he came, instead of going to Jerusalem, he would head for a place that they looked upon uh, Mount Gerizim what a tragedy And you just think for a moment that through their attitude through their prejudice through their enmity they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ they rejected the Son of God basically what they said to the Lord Jesus was go away we don't want you. What they missed. What blessing would have been upon that village if they had welcomed the Lord and his disciples with open arms. They would have received such, such blessing. For the Lord no date would have preached the gospel to them. They would have heard the gospel from the very lips of the Savior himself. what a tragedy it is today to see people who miss such opportunities. Perhaps you've been involved in doing an open air meeting. And as the man is preaching, people just walk by. They may have a throwaway comment, but they pass by. They're challenged Where are you going to go when you die? Don't care. They walk by. What a missed opportunity. Perhaps you're going to do some uh, leaflets at Christmas. Come to our church ministry meetings at Christmas. I'm too busy. Don't want to know. Don't believe that. Missed opportunity. Then there's that one-to-one thing, isn't there? Perhaps with the neighbours, with the family. We don't talk about that religion in our house. I've sadly heard that. We don't talk about it. They don't want to know. Missed opportunities. Sad state of affairs, isn't it? But of course, what? We don't know what... Well, they, the disciples didn't know what was going to happen. But the Lord knew this what we can read of in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, And many were taken with the palsies that were lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And then in verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. I wonder if one of those villages was the village that rejected the Lord. Don't know, of course, do we? But you see, the Lord knew, and there was a time. But not everybody has that opportunity, do they? Today is the day of salvation. And people miss their opportunities at their own peril. They may never, ever have another opportunity to hear the gospel. And so we're introduced, well, not introduced, we're told that James and John now get involved of course they have a nickname of course don't they uh, in, um, in Mark's gospel in chapter 3 and verse 17 and James the son of Zebedee and John the brother of James he surnamed them Boanerges which is the sons of thunder and they do sound a bit like that don't they here Lord Wilt thou command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? They're full of fiery zeal. They're vehemently indignant. Sadly, they had completely the wrong attitude. Perhaps in their minds they were thinking of the example of Elijah in the Scriptures. The zeal that Elijah had for the Lord. One could say, on the face of it, that James and John may have had a zeal for the honour of the Lord Jesus Christ. We could be charitable. But it could be that their own feedings have been bruised. That their noses have been put out of joint, so to speak. You see, their zeal was not a zeal according to knowledge. And what we have to say is this, that circumstances alter cases. They're thinking of the instance of Elijah in 2 Kings, chapter 1. 2 Kings, chapter 1, where... um, Uzziah the king is ill Well, he's fallen down and he's obviously done himself an, an injury and then he sends off to, to get some message from um, the god of Ekron but Elijah hears about this and the king sends people to Elijah and almost they always demand Elijah come to the king course what happens is fire comes down and burns them up the messenger and his men twice and then of course we have the the third one comes um, and uh, then the king sent him a captain of 50 with his 50 and he went up to him behold he sat on the top of a hill and he spoke and said "Thou man of God the king has said come down If Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And of course it happens again. But then of course the third one comes, who comes up, falls on his knees to Elijah, shows him the respect that he desires and needs and comes. And so Elijah does give a message. What they want, you see, what James and John want, is this fire to come from heaven and consume this village. Every one of them. What we have to remember, of course, is that Elijah was called to a specific task. And these Samaritan villagers, the insult was to the Lord not to the disciples. We must remember that. If we go out on the doors and someone slams a door in our face and calls us a few nights, they're not insulting us. They're insulting the Lord that sent us. Which is a far more serious thing. And I tremble at some of the people that I met when I used to be on the doors or in the open air and the things they said about the Lord, about his people, and unless the Lord intervenes in their lives, they're going to regret those words for the rest of eternity. It's to the Lord that the insult goes, not to us. You see, what happens is pride. Pride to, and through prejudice, leads to persecution. Whereas humility leads to to and through tolerance to understanding. To think that they would want to punish a whole village men, women and children for a lack of hospitality and discourtesy. Surely that would be so unjust and cruel. And sometimes we need to beware of ignorance Well meaning. But three times we see the sin of John in particular against love and charity in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20, then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him and he said to her what wilt thou she saith unto him grant that these my two sons may sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom and so they are seeking through their mother to be able to sit at the right hand or left hand of the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. In other words, we'll be preferred to all the other apostles and all the other people that we gathered around the Lord. And then earlier, of course, in chapter nine and verse forty-nine we read this John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting eight devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not for he that is not against us is with us. And so there he is. We are the only ones allowed are to do this. Not you. And the Lord said, leave him be. And then, of course, here, we see in him and his brother a really fierce and cruel spirit to these Samaritan villagers. But, again, one only has to move on in the Scriptures to see the wonder and the blessing and the transformation of the gospel. Because read 1 John, which this same man wrote. An epistle of love. A completely changed man. Why was he changed? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, don't have, we know we mustn't give up on anyone. It's no good to say I've always been like that. That's not good enough. The Lord changes us. But I like to think that I'm a bit different for what I was when I first saved. I'd like to think that, whether that's true or not, is in the Lord's judgment. But it should be so for all of us. As the Lord ministers to us, as we are blessed by his encouragement, his enabling and so on. And the Lord Jesus Christ rebukes them, doesn't he? Verse 55. Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are. They should have. And we must act tolerantly to those who are us. It's not easy. It's not easy when someone's throwing things at you. And you've got to be, you know, not be hostile to them. It's not... I can remember back in the uh, late 80s doing the Friday afternoon open air at Speaker's Corner. And we used to have a bunch of hecklers there who would say what they'd love to do to our wives and children. And you have to stand there and carry on preaching while they're doing that. And we we used to have a ring of missionaries arraigned the preacher to protect him so they couldn't get at him and I'll tell you sometimes it was so tempting to get Dane off the thing and give him a thump. indeed one man did ask one of the preachers he said tell me what difference has being a Christian made in your life and he said well if I wasn't a Christian I'd come down and fill you in that was the difference it made but it's not easy it's never easy People are hostile to you, but so we must. We have to apply it to the preaching of the gospel. Anyway, also I have to beware when people speak well of you as well, haven't we? You see, James and John had the wrong spirit in them, and we need to seek to understand the spirit of the gospel and the mind of Christ in these things, and not the world. What a tragedy is religious persecution. We see it today, don't we? Throughout the world. You see, we are not to persecute. Tragically, in the name of Christ, people have done dreadful things in the past. But we are to appeal to men's consciences and their wills and trust that the Lord will do his work. We must never persecute people for their religion. However much, we may indeed disagree with them. The Lord Jesus Christ had a spirit of love and gentleness. Yes, I know on the day of judgment, things will be different for many, many people. But I do think it's right and that when a Christian is indulging in revengeful and violent deeds and thoughts. It grieves the Lord Jesus Christ. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And what, what lovely words, verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went to another village. What wonderful words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't punish this Samaritan village for their rudeness, for their inhospitality. He doesn't go and force himself on them. He tells the the two disciples, I've not come to destroy, I'm not going to send a thunderbolt from heaven and destroy that village. I've come to save them. And who knows? that when the, the disciples and the Christians were scattered out of Jerusalem and went to Samaria, who knows that somebody went to that particular village and stood in the, on a box in the market square and preached Christ. And then we were saved. Made into trophies of grace rather than examples of judgment. And so they go to another village. Well, one village is lost as another village is gained, isn't it? Because that village had the blessing of the visit of the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples. It's true to say, isn't it? One village did not know what they had missed. And another village gained such blessing. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Hospitality. It's a wonderful thing to share with brothers and sisters in Christ in homes and in wherever we may do. It's a wonderful gift and such a blessing. I'm sure we could all talk of where we've been so blessed by visitors to our home. Encouraged, perhaps. Challenged. Perhaps even rebuked, who knows. But what a blessing it is. And um, tells us in Hebrews um, chapter 13 and verse 2 be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You think of that village in Samaria. If they'd have said yes, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would have walked amongst their midst, and they'd have experienced such blessing. And who knows? We apply the Ministry of Hospitality. I won't say to one another, because I, I perhaps there are, there are no angels sitting here this uh, morning. But who knows who may come in? Who knows who we may be? And who knows the blessing that will result? It's certainly a challenge, isn't it? When one looks at what the Lord Jesus Christ expects of His people in every area of their life. And of course, on our own, we fail, we fall, and we go wrong. But the Lord doesn't lead us, does He? He tells us, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. May we apply that to ourselves, in the ministries that the Lord gives us. And whatever we do, keep away from revenge, keep away from those sort of thoughts, and pray for those to come to Christ. Let's pray together. Our dear, gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful passage of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that he has come to save those who are lost. We do praise and thank you, Lord, for the wonder and joy and blessing of the Gospel. Help us, Lord, in our own small way, wherever we can, to serve you faithfully, to be A good witness. And may we Lord be given strength. When people oppose us. When people call us names. When people want to accuse us of hate crimes. Because of our certain beliefs that we have. Help us Lord to have that same mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. To pray for them that hate you and persecute you. Do be with us and encourage us Lord. And do continue with us now through the rest of this day. We pray this in the most precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our last hymn is number 844. Happy the home when God is there and love fills every breast when one their wish, and one their prayer, and one their heavenly rest. 844. perfect in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever.